Amen. That's great singing tonight. Well, before we get into the word tonight, I just want to bring you a little report from our IFCA convention. And by the way, I see a few attendees here tonight. Uh, of course, Melinda's here and, and the um, Caballeros back there. And I had the privilege of being there. What a joyous time it was. It was one of the best I think I've been to. And one of the biggest. I think maybe, uh, Melinda, is this right? The biggest one we've had? Wow, yes. And so it was just a wonderful time. Dr. Vargas presented a wonderful message in our opening evening. And we heard so many good messages and so many speakers throughout the week. One of the highlights was, of course, sitting at the dining tables and fellowshipping with folks from across our country that we don't get to see very often. And so that was a blessed time as well. Our church was well represented with pastors too, by the way. I saw Pastor McCarroll there. I saw Pastor Gregory there. And I saw Pastor Chad, of course. One of the neat things was that Pastor Chad was once again elected to serve another term on the board of the IFCA. And so that was nice. And I saw him come up and take the, um, the vow and um, uh, to serve the Lord faithfully in that position. And we prayed over him. So it was just a wonderful time. On Thursday, I got to go over and take a look at the ark. And um, it didn't rain, so we were able to get back home afterwards. And we had a great time there. So I just wanted to share that with you. And I do want to say this at the outset. I'm sorry to hear that Sandy's gone home to be with the Lord. Sad from our point of view, but dear folks, what we're going to talk about tonight about the coming of the Lord rings very true for those who have passed on ahead of us. She's there with the Lord. She's there with her loved ones who have gone before. And we look forward to being there with her very soon. And so we grieve the loss of any of our dear ones, but uh, we do so with a sense of joy in our heart, knowing that all of her pain, all of her incapacities are now past. And she's rejoicing in a glorified body, made like unto the Lord Jesus. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Praise the Lord for that, huh? Now, as we open our Bibles, I would invite you to turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians in the fourth chapter. Dear friends, there's a great day coming very soon for all of us. There's not a more vital message for the church of God today than this. Because I believe the return of Christ is imminent. Now what do I mean by imminent? It could, it could happen at any time. Did you know there is nothing yet to, that has to happen to stand in the way of Christ's return? We don't have to wait for any prophecies to be fulfilled. We don't have to wait for any other events to take place. Jesus could come at any time. Wow, that's a humbling thought, isn't it? As we prepare our hearts tonight to realize that when Jesus comes as the bridegroom coming for his bride, the church, we want to get excited about Jesus coming to take us home. What a glorious day that will be for you and for me. 
But let's look to the Lord in prayer as we begin. Father, we ask that you would open our hearts to receive the precious truths of your word tonight concerning your soon coming for us. We pray, Lord, as we consider this truth, perhaps it's very familiar to us, and yet it's important to rehearse these things and be prepared in heart and mind to serve you and honor you and uh, be faithful to you until that day. So we commit it to you, giving you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. This passage in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I want to begin um, reading um, 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning at verse 13. And we're going to look at that passage down uh, through the end of that chapter. So please follow along as I read. <clears throat> but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you do not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and, the, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so will we always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And indeed, dear friends, these words are a great encouragement. I want us to notice tonight there are three things that I think are important to come out of this passage. The first is this. Let us be, let us, excuse me, let us be informed. Verse 13, let us be informed. I would not have you to be uninformed. You see, this information is vital tonight. It brings great joy. It brings great hope. You know, the first thing that I know is that because we are God's people, we have wonderful hope. It speaks a little later in this passage about those who have died outside of Christ who have no hope. That's a sad thing. Do you realize that uh, those who die and and you know, every day, thousands of people are dying and going to a Christless eternity. What a sad and, and terrible thing to contemplate. But dear friends, you and I, who love the Lord, we have this wonderful hope. And when I say hope, I'm not just talking about, you know, something I hope will happen, something I, I'm, I'm guessing or thinking might possibly happen. No, not at all. We're talking, when we say the blessed hope of the redeemed, we're talking about the confidence, right, that we have in this going to take place. It's going to happen. And so it brings us joy, not despair. It brings us a sense of accomplishment and fulfillment as we look to the Lord. And so obviously this is something we need to know. Don't be uninformed. We need to be aware of the truth of the soon return of the Lord Jesus, especially in these days. 
Now, you know, the Thessalonian believers to whom Paul wrote this, because of persecution, had the idea that they were already in the tribulation period. You see, it was a time of great tribulation for believers. Many were being jailed, put to death, for the sake of Christ, because of their faith in him. And so, because of this, they were thinking they were already in that day, known as the day of the Lord. And so, he's saying to them, I want you to understand that hasn't transpired yet. It's going to be a great day of reunion in heaven, and we don't have to worry about those who have passed on ahead of time. So they were concerned for those who had died, or as the passage here says, asleep in Christ. They were afraid that perhaps they wouldn't be raised. They were worried about their loved ones who had passed away because of persecution. So Paul writes to assure them that this would not be the case. And so, dear friends, he's giving them hope. He's giving them something to look forward to. Yes, we believe in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's important for us to understand, these Thessalonian believers, way back then, those so many uh, centuries ago, we're anticipating the soon return of Christ, even as we are tonight. Now, God has left it that way on purpose, you see. The imminency of Christ's return is that which holds us to the Lord. The Apostle John writing says, Every man that has this hope in him, the hope of the soon coming of the Lord, purifies himself, even as he is pure. I've often said, I would want to make sure that I'm in the right place, doing the right thing with the right people, and involved with the right environment when the Lord comes. You know, as a youngster, I worried about that. Just as a kid. Boy, I don't want to be messing, doing that kind of stuff when Jesus comes. Maybe you've thought that way too. We sure ought to. That's what purifies us. It keeps us looking up, keeps us anticipating. Even though it's been so many years, Jesus could come tonight. And so we need to be aware of that. In Matthew 25 and verse 13, Jesus said to his disciples, Watch, therefore, for you know not, you, you know neither the day nor the hour. Yes, we don't know what day it might be, but we know that he's coming soon. And this is a challenge to each and every child of God. Over in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, in verse 25, it gives us this instruction, that we are not to neglect meeting together, like we're doing tonight. As the habit of some, yeah, there's a few empty chairs here. Uh, so the habit of some is not to come sometimes on Sunday night. But encouraging one another as, and, and all the more, 
as you see the day drawing near. So we need to be encouraging, strengthening, upholding one another in evil days, lifting up our spirits in anticipation of the coming of the Lord. We need that fellowship. Now, in 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, 2 and 3, we read these words. Beloved, we are now the children of God. And what, he ha- uh, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him, in him purifies himself even as he is pure. So that's the blessed hope of the redeemed. Be informed, dear friend. Be informed. Part of being informed, the reason for being informed is to be prepared. As we are informed and as we are enlightened as to what God is doing, we need to be prepared for the coming of the Lord. Prepared by serving Him. Prepared by faithfully witnessing for Him. Prepared by being involved in the things of the Lord. Oh, this old world can take our hearts and our minds away from the things of God. It's so easy for us to slip away from that and forget all about it. I think maybe that's the reason I chose this tonight, because even though it's something we all know, it's so easy just to kind of let it slip to the background. Forget that Jesus could come at any time. And we go on about our lives just doing the things we always do. But we need to be anticipating that. And so let us be informed. Secondly, let us believe. In verses 14 through 17, we read uh, of the faith that we have in the Lord Jesus that strengthens us for this truth. Verse 14 says, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Now, I want you to notice that Christ's death and resurrection is proof of the resurrection of all those who have died in Christ. You see, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus gives us evidence that he's won the victory over sin and death, and we know that he has risen and he's alive today. Now, there's a wonderful verse of scripture that says this, as in Adam all died, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. We are made alive in Christ. So we find that this is proof positive. We don't have to worry about it. These Thessalonian believers didn't have to be afraid about those who had died because they, the evidence is before them. Christ died, he rose again, just like he uh, came forth from the grave, just like he shouted to Lazarus in the tomb and he came forward. He can and will return life to those who have died. And in fact, this verse tells us, and verse 15 tells us, that the dead in Christ will rise first. Did you see that? Verse 15, 
For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord. In other words, here's something that Paul is sharing that he received from the Lord himself. From the word of the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Wonderful truth. We're not going to go up and leave them behind. In fact, we believe they're already with the Lord. Now, since that is a wonderful truth for us, that gives us a sense of security in him. Dear friends, I want you to notice from verse 16 here, it says this, for the Lord himself, now notice that, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with the cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now there are several things in this wonderful verse that cause us to realize the power and the authority of the Lord here. He's going to descend from heaven. Notice, he's not sending someone else for us. He's coming himself. This is a beautiful thing to realize. For you see, this uh, is like the picture that we have of an Old Testament uh, wedding. When uh, when the Jewish couple would come together and they were espoused, they looked forward to that wonderful day when they were united in marriage. But as they looked forward to it, the bridegroom had a big responsibility. He would have to prepare a place, a house, for a home for them. And so he would go and do that. And on that day, when they were to come together and be united in marriage, he would come to receive his bride. And you know what, dear friends? They would have a great ceremony. Just like we do when a couple gets married. Ours last, you know, portion, uh, portion of a day. The Jews, they went on for about a, about a week, I think. But you know what? When everything was, all that stuff was done, the bridegroom would take his bride to their home. I don't know if they carried him across the, uh, the threshold or not. Um, I wanted to do that with my wife, but you know what? We lived in an upstairs apartment. <laughs> so I decided not to do that. But at any rate, I can just see how that the Lord is going to come for his bride, take us home. What do we read in, first, in John chapter 14? Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I know it says dwelling places. I like mansions better. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Don't you see the bride and the groom there? The bride is his church. That's all of us who love the Lord. We're the bride of Christ. And he's preparing a place for all of us in heaven. So I read that and I thought, what a wonderful picture. And with a cry of command, he's in charge. His command will bring us home. And notice what else it says here. With the voice of an archangel, 
That tells me that he's going to bring somebody with him. An archangel. The best man, right? He's going to come <laughs> with the archangel. And the trump of God. The sound of the trump of God. Now listen. If you go over to the second and third chapters of the book of the Revelation, you read about the history of the church. We've talked about that before. How that those um, various messages to the seven churches describe the history and the um, progression of the church age. It concludes at the end of chapter 3, and the very first words of chapter 4 are these. John saw the Lord in heaven. And he heard a great voice, like a trumpet, saying, Come up here. What a beautiful picture of the conclusion of the church age and the believers united with the Lord in heaven. John was raptured up into heaven to receive that wonderful revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, what power, what authority he comes with to, pro to uh, proclaim his coming and to claim his own. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Look at verse 17. Then we who are alive and who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. I remember years ago singing a song called There's Going to Be a Meeting in the Air in the Sweet, Sweet By and By. What a wonderful song that is. I think that uh, in Bible school, some of our uh, groups used to sing that song. And uh, what a blessing it was just to think about that. That great meeting in the air. Now, I want you to also understand this that the age in which we are living today is the age of grace. It's the time when God is calling out a people for his, for his name, you and me, and multitudes of others who have trusted him as Savior. Yes, we're living in a, a vile and corrupt world, but out of that world, the Lord Jesus is calling out those would be his dear children. In the Bible, there are two great days that I believe are so vitally important for the church of God today. The first day is the day of Pentecost. For on that day, the Holy Spirit came and for the first time indwelt the believers. When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, Jesus said, he will Abide with you forever. He will show you all things, teach you things to come. So you see, dear friends, the Holy Spirit was, the coming of the Holy Spirit was the birth of the church on the day of Pentecost. And he's been with us and in us ever since. And so we call it the age of grace, for God graciously bestowed upon us who believe his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the active one who brings people to Christ. He does the work of conviction in hearts. He's the one who 
baptizes us into Christ, identifies us with him in his death, burial, and resurrection, and we are justified by faith in him. So you see, dear friends, this age is the age of the Holy Spirit. Why do I bring that up now? Well, because when the Lord returns for us, what's going to happen? Well, the Holy Spirit is going to go up with us, isn't he? If, the, if his dwelling place is the body of the, uh, of, of the believers, then when we're taken out, he's taken out too. And it's important for us to realize that this age of grace will come to an end. The church will be complete, and we will be with him in glory. And so we see the Spirit is the heart of the church age. But I think it's also important as we look at this portion of God's word to understand that there is another spirit active in the world today. The Bible calls it the spirit of Antichrist. And we find that he's in the world today. And he has a kingdom program too, doesn't he? Way back in Jesus' day, Satan stood before the king of glory and he said, all of these kingdoms will I give you if you'll fall down and worship me. Can you imagine the audacity of standing there before his creator and saying that? That's the, that's the one that is running things in this world today. In fact, the Bible calls him the God of this world. The prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. And so you see, the spirit of Antichrist is very active today. In 1 John 4 and verse 3 it says, And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. So, dear friends, that's another reason why we look up, anticipating the Lord's soon return. Look over here to chapter 5 for just a moment. I want us to read a portion here. These two Thessalonian epistles, both of them, first and second, are written with this idea in mind of, of, of encouraging believers in times of struggle and in times of persecution. Notice it says here in verse 1, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need to have anything written to you. They knew all about those things. For your yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The day of the Lord, let me just take a moment to explain what that is. The day of the Lord begins with, his, with the rapture of the church. The tribulation period is that time when God is going to purify his people, Israel. And he is going to present himself to them as their Messiah and as their king. And listen to this, they will receive him. God's not through with Israel. They will receive him. At the same time, he's going to judge this ungodly world. He's going to judge the sin and the degradation in a terrible series of 
plagues. And we read about them in the book of the Revelation. And it goes on to say in verse 3, while people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. That's a sad picture that is before us. But it kind of reminds us of the days of Noah. Isn't that exactly what it said about the days of Noah? Eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the flood came, took them all away. Well, you see, that degradation, that time of terrible corruption and violence, God dealt with it harshly. The Lord Jesus also said that in that day, it will be uh, like the day of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know what God did, how he dealt with them. Sodom and Gomorrah were utterly destroyed, wasn't it? From fire and brimstone from heaven. You see, these things that are going on all around us today, that are becoming more and more prevalent, that are being taught to our children even, these things are going to come under the judgment of God. And we better be prepared for that time when God deals out that judgment upon this earth. But more important, we need to keep looking up and praying that God will come for his own very soon. Now, let us continue reading here. It says, verse 4, we're in chapter 5, But you are not in darkness, brother, for that, for that day to surprise you like a thief. No, we're not going to be surprised by it, because we're anticipating it, aren't we? For we're all children of light, children of the day. We're not of the night, nor of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as do others, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. And then notice this this next verse that I will read. For God has not destined us for wrath. We're not going to go through that tribulation period. The wrath of God was poured out on his own beloved son, wasn't it? The wrath of God was poured out on Jesus on the cross. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So it tells us here, we are not destined for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. And then it says, therefore encourage one another and build up one another just as you are doing. Yes, dear friends, apostasy is increasing today. We know that it will be a difficult time. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we read about the coming day of the Lord, and it tells us how that uh, the lawless one, that is the Antichrist, will come on the scene, and he will set up his program but we will not be part of it. 
And so we come to this understanding. Satan understands that his time is short. I'm sure that he realizes as he counts the days that he knows the day of his destruction is drawing near. He's going to be very intense about it. He's going to work all the harder to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. What does he want to accomplish? He wants to destroy. The Bible tells us that uh, clearly. He's come to, to destroy. Like a roaring lion, he stalks about seeking whom he may devour. The Bible tells us he's a liar and a deceiver. All of those things. So we understand Satan will deceive the nations. That's what he does because that's his nature. And so, dear friends, we must not be discouraged. We must not be disillusioned. For God knows Satan's schemes. He's aware of them. He knows how he's trying to get at you, too. I have a wonderful truth for you today. Satan can't touch you. You see, when you were saved, the Holy Spirit came to indwell you. And so he can't get at you. We we'll often hear about um, those who are indwelt by an evil spirit. And when one comes to Christ, that evil spirit's got to go. Because the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. So all of this to say, dear friends, look up. Let us believe that what God is doing is accomplishing his purpose to show to mankind how gracious and loving he is to a sin-sick and perverted and corrupted world. And that he will save us in the end. Now I want to notice one last thing. As we go back to our original text here in chapter 4, the last verse, verse 18, it simply says this, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Encourage one another. Oh, I want you to be encouraged tonight, dear friends. As we go over to chapter 5 and verse 11, it says the same thing. Therefore, encourage one another and build, up, and build one another up just as you are doing. We need to be encouraged. Now, you're not going to get encouraged by looking at the news, I can tell you that. <laughs> you're not going to get encouraged by trusting in government. You're not going to get encouraged by social advances, by all of the new ideas that are coming up to um, what they call AI, that's artificial intelligence. My goodness. When we think about those things, they're scary. They're part of Satan's domain. But I want you to know that we can be encouraged in this, these days. Keep looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Tribulation period... It's not for believers. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's be encouraged, dear friends. Let us lift up our hearts to him. Let us lift up holy hands and honor our Lord and Savior and worship and serve him. And let us 
anxiously await that soon coming day. It could be today. This is the blessed hope of the redeemed. For this reason, we're encouraged. May God add his blessing to his word tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're standing before you tonight with great joy in anticipation of your coming for your, your bride. Oh, Father, we pray that you would bless your word to our hearts and lift our spirits as we look to you in an evil day. Help us to remain faithful, Lord. Help us to be sold out to the Lord Jesus as we anticipate your coming for us. We pray you'd bless these words to our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, folks. It's a joy to... Uh, be with you and present God's word tonight. You are dismissed.